You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. episode 41 of the Keep Going podcast. We're in a short series on your home. And today's episode is why your home needs a name. I don't remember much about my first visit to Mount Vernon, but I will never forget my second. I was on a business trip to Washington, D.C. in 2007, and one afternoon I had a little downtime. So I thought, I can't go tour everything, but if I could tour one thing, what would it be? Mount Vernon came to mind. When I was in about fifth grade, my family visited George Washington's famous estate, and I remember liking it, so I decided that would be my one afternoon treat. Now, it was a long way to travel to its location in Virginia, involving some switches on public transportation that are not the easiest for a person with a disability. Finally, I arrived. I borrowed a wheelchair from the visitor center and made my way to the main house. By way of what felt like miles of pea gravel pathways, I could hardly get any traction with the wheelchair The wheels stirred up dust with every rotation, and I was getting nowhere fast. And I was getting dirtier and dirtier in the process. See, I was still wearing the black suit I had worn for my morning appointments, and it was fast becoming sweat-stained and a dusty shade of light gray. Eventually, another tourist even came over and asked if he could push me to the front door. What a relief. But that relief lasted approximately 15 seconds because a docent at the front door of Mount Vernon told me that the wheelchair would not fit inside the old door frame and I had to fold it up and use it as a walker to push through the room. Well, fine. That's nothing unusual. I did it. And then I enjoyed approximately two minutes of a guided tour through that one emerald green dining room. And then we went out the back door. One room. The tour was then proceeding across the back porch and then inside the house through the other back door. But when I got to that one, the docent there told me, that I would not be able to take the wheelchair inside because the first stop was to go upstairs. That's okay. I'll just leave the wheelchair here on the back porch, I told her. I'll come back at the end of the tour and I'll pick it up, she said. No. She told me I was not permitted to step away from the wheelchair. It was my responsibility. Well, I wasn't traveling with anyone else who could watch the wheelchair for me. Or I would have arranged with a friend for us to tour the house in shifts. One of us going inside, one of us watching the wheelchair. 
I explained all of this to the docent and I begged her to make an exception for me, but not a chance. <laughs> so I sat on the back porch for approximately 13 minutes because I had paid $13 for my ticket to Mount Vernon and I wanted to get at least a minute for every dollar I'd spent. And I rocked in one of those rocking chairs stewing in my own juices, frustrated that I'd come so far for one room. And then I took my wheelchair back to the visitor center and I made the long trek all the way back to my DC hotel, having seen very little of Mount Vernon. And it wasn't until hours later that it hit me. It wasn't Mount Vernon. It wasn't Mount Vernon that I remembered liking when I was in fifth grade. It was Monticello, Thomas Jefferson's home, not George Washington's home. Alas, there was no time to make it to Monticello before my flight the next morning. From Mount Vernon to Monticello to Andrew Jackson's home, the Hermitage, to Flannery O'Connor's home, Andalusia, to J.K. Rowling's home, Church Cottage, to Louisa May Alcott's home, Orchard House, to the fictitious characters Anne Shirley's home who she, who, that she named Green Gables. I love it when houses have a name. One of my friends lives on a street called Spicewood and they've named their home Spicewood Manor. Most of us have not named our homes. I have other friends who have recreational properties like a lake house or a ranch, and those places are almost always named, but to my knowledge, most main residences are not. Why? I believe you should name your house, your real house. You don't have to wait until you have a vacation getaway. What if you decide to make your main residence your vacation getaway? Wouldn't that be nice? Then you'd be in a pleasant, relaxing mode 99% of the time. I believe that names make a difference in how you think, and how you think determines how you feel, and how you feel determines how you behave or act, and how you behave or act determines your results. That's why I named my apartment. You heard me correctly. I live in a 600-square-foot apartment, and I decided to name it. I'm not waiting until I live in a better place. I'm elevating my current home into a better place. When you choose the name of your house, you recreate your house. Words create. We're made in the image of God, and God created by a spoken word. He could have thought the world into existence, but he didn't. He spoke. So here's the trick. He made us in, our, in his likeness, and that gives us an important clue. Our words have creative power, too. Now, this doesn't mean we are magical. We can't say, snow cone, and have it appear in our hands. <laughs> Jesus reserves the miracle-making for himself. No, our words are less like spells and more like seeds. We plant them in the supernatural realm every time we open our mouths. And over time, what we've planted grows and blooms. And 
bears fruit that eventually goes back into our mouths. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Did you get that? Your words create the reality that you will experience later. Now, you don't get to choose the harvest time. Only God knows where or when the fruit will come. But the harvest is coming. So plant intentionally today. Create something good in your home by using your words to give it a good name. When you choose the name of your house, you establish the purpose New names indicate renewed purpose or perhaps readiness. You probably know the stories of Abraham, Sarah, and Peter. God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah, Simon's name to Peter. They were given new names when it came time to accelerate their mission. It's not as if they didn't have a purpose before they received the new name. God created them with the purpose from the beginning. It's more like it was time for a new name because they had reached readiness for the fulfillment of their purpose. And the new name made them aware of the value they'd always had in God's eyes. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. Friends, you give your home a renewed purpose and you increase its value simply by giving it a new, well-chosen name. When you choose the name of your house, you take better care of it. When someone or something has a name, we show it more respect. I think of grocery store clerks. I try to always take a look at a name tag and use that person's name when answering their question. If they ask me if I want paper or plastic bags, I respond, may I have paper, Andy? People always seem surprised. Maybe they've forgotten that they're wearing a name tag. Or maybe it's the first time all day that they've been seen. Have you noticed how many People go through a grocery line while talking on their phone, never interacting with the grocery clerk who is helping or serving them. It really helps you see something when you name it, and you will see your home differently when you give it a name. Coming home to a place with a defined name reminds you that, for now anyway, Our sovereign God has allowed you to be in that spot for a reason. And you have a responsibility to leave it better than you found it because you carry the Holy Spirit within you. Giving your home a name changes your attitude about it. It makes you more aware of your behavior, how to treat your home. Do you feel defeated when you come home at the end of the day? Does then do something to change that attitude. Do you complain about things that are broken or imperfect in your home? Then do something to change your perspective. Give your home a name and start fixing the things you can and appreciating the things you can't fix as if they were 
freckles or scars that are distinctive and charming about your particular place. Then you'll come home with a sense of expectation and relief, not a feeling of oppression and defeat. I used to walk in at the end of the day feeling a bit cramped in this apartment. So I decided to change my attitude and behavior and even my vision for this tiny place by giving it a very big name. Okay, are you ready to hear it? I, I actually prayed and I asked God what he wanted me to name this spot where I spend most of my time here on this earth. Did you realize that? Your home is where you spend most of your time. You're sleeping at night, you're eating, and it's where you start the day. That's a big ask for a place. So I wanted to consult God. How can I name this place in a way that sends me out into the world better prepared to serve the kingdom? And two words came to my mind. It was so clear. I heard, Bo Brighton. Bo Brighton, Bo, as in B-E-A-U-X. And it was so clear, and I had never heard those two words put together in my life. So I just started calling this 600 square feet space Bo Brighton. I would come home at the end of the day and say, Ah, it's good to be home in Bo Brighton. Lord, thank you for another day here. Because I know that words create, so I said it out loud as I was coming into the door. Months later, I felt different about this place. I love it. And I actually took the time to look up the meaning of those two words. Beau is French for handsome or lovely, and Brighton means bright town. God knows me well. He knew I would love living in a handsome, bright town. Now, I won't live here forever. But while I do live here, I have determined that it will be a good experience. And I'm starting with my mouth. And why? Why can maybe an imperfect home be a good experience? Because God lives in us not in our houses or apartments. We are his home and he calls us loved. listening to the keep going podcast hey did you know i can help people get books done i enjoy teaching the tips and tricks and secrets that i've learned over the years writing five books and i would love to help you if you have a story to tell or if anyone has ever told you that you need to write a book and if you don't know where to start or if you started and gotten stuck then this is your chance I've created an online experience called the Keep Writing Course that will help you go from page one to page done. People who take my course see results. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to one of my student reviews. 
I have had a book in my heart all my life. And through the years, I have bought books on how to write a book, downloaded free resource ideas from the internet, and read writing blog after writing blog. But it wasn't until this course with Nika that I finally had the complete package. Nika uses her expert knowledge and teaches us everything from how to lay the foundation for your manuscript to the ins and outs of actually writing your book to invaluable publishing secrets. I have found every aspect of this class a must for my writing life. After just six weeks, I have a complete outline of my manuscript and have written complete chapters. If you are ready to take that next clear step with your book, this class is the way to move forward. Leslie Ackman, Maryville, Missouri. The doors to the Keep Writing course only open four times each year. The next class begins soon. Go to thekeepgoingco.com forward slash write to enroll. I'll see you inside. Wisdom in the secret heart.